This is Matt Wells at UN News. Social media influencers are glamorising the use of cannabis, heroin and other controlled substances and governments and companies need to do more to stop these kinds of messages being spread on popular platforms, the head of a UN-backed drug control body warned on Thursday. Jajit Pavadia, the president of the International Narcotics Control Board, INCB, spoke to Conor Lennon from UN News on the launch of the organisation's annual report, which also shows that many potentially harmful drugs are easily available online. Ms Pavadia began by outlining the scale of the problem and the danger it poses, particularly to young people and children. You only have to go online onto any social media platform where you have many social influencers self-labeled social influencers who try to convince uh, the youth and people to take illicit drugs and also spell out the so-called benefits which they think will accrue to them. And that acts as a very strong uh, you know, motivation for the younger people to experiment and try those drugs. So therefore, this is, has a deleterious effect on the minds of the people who are influenced by this sort of propaganda, I would call it propaganda. Particularly worrying is some of the things which come on Instagram, some of them where they are actually also showing them how to take the drugs, as well as in some cases, uh, it's not only about cannabis, it's about even how to make heroin. And uh, the fact that children are so much drawn to social media and are constantly Whether it's Facebook, you have groups being set up in Facebook about these uh, drugs, etc. Also trying to glamorize the use of drugs and saying, oh, it makes you cool, you know, in your in your setup. Uh, Your peer group thinks that you're part of the the current generation, so to speak. So uh, definitely there is a link and there have been studies done and still going on of Instagram where they checked out uh, these particular types of self-advertisements which were going on and they have established there is a very strong link between social media and actual usage of drugs. You have been calling for governments to improve regulation and policy and and private companies companies like Meta which as we know runs Instagram and Facebook. Do you have specific recommendations, specific examples of what good regulation or policy looks like? You see, we have been working through our uh, operation uh, opioids project where we monitor manufacture, marketing, movement and monetization. These are the four pillars of this sort of activity to prevent and respond to the trafficking of opioids and other drugs. So, for example, we often see the next generation, there's a deadly opioid called the Nitazine group being offered on social media services disguised by their chemical names. So uh, upon linking, uh, uh, clicking on the link, they go to that that particular site and they are able to uh, partake of the drug transaction and buy it. So we have led a number of uh, practical partnerships uh, through public-private partnerships. Uh, We have uh, also partnered with Uh, websites, uh, even e-commerce platforms, even e-wallet companies, etc., where uh, the competent national authorities and INCB, we guide them on how to go about 
policing these things and also to set up national legislation which would control it. Of course, it is the prerogative of the member states on how they would go about it. I don't think we can be very prescriptive, but maybe just issue guidelines to them that if you uh, are in a public-private partnership, if you have a dialogue with uh, e-commerce companies and tell them that these are the risks of having these sort of substances on their websites and how this would finally lead to, uh, you know, a health impact on society. So it's the whole idea is to create the social awareness so that governments keep a watch and also the e-commerce sites are also doing it. And due to this diligence, Hundreds of uh, companies have been taken off the websites. We've had extremely uh, great success in that. And uh, we will continue doing it, of course. And uh, there was a suggestion during the launch that maybe we should issue some sort of guidelines, just as you're suggesting. And maybe we look at this, how to frame some generic guidelines for member states. An important part of the report mentions the fact that developing countries are being disproportionately affected by the drugs trade. You say in the report that it is having a, um, a measurable effect on their development. Well, if we put it into the context that developing countries definitely have less resources and less uh, resources in how to tackle these things. That is where they get affected. So they get more affected because the main thing is resources. How do you stop it? How do you stop the trafficking? How do you, how do you uh, pour money into it from your budget? You have to make prioritize your needs and development. So drugs is something which has to be really prioritized. Unless uh, you do that, you will not be able to make much go. So developing countries are more impacted because they don't have the wherewithal to really fight back. There are se several types of criminal activity. You have organized crime of human trafficking. You have um, smuggling of uh, wildlife. You have everything. But cutting across all the, and drug trafficking, but cutting across these uh, fields is the main thing, the, the, the mover of these activities. And that is the profit motive and the money which they get out of it. And most of the traffickers and the smugglers and all these people and even people who evade taxes, all this money goes to funnel uh, money into their businesses. And if governments do not watch out that their regular regular financial systems are not abused or they are not they don't find ways and methods to move the money from place to place so that they can hide the origin of the illegal money, then this has a serious impact on our other activities. We talk of demand reduction, we talk of supply reduction. So whatever we do in these two fields will get negated if these people are able to earn money. And that is why we have tried to focus on this subject. Uh, and this is also to support all the existing instruments relating to anti-money laundering, etc., with the Financial Action Task Force and the UN Convention, the 88 Convention also, and the Organized Crime Convention. So, and, and linked with this is also cybercrime. There's a lot of cybercrime where they are thing. And then we have cryptocurrencies being used now. So it's getting more and more complex and difficult to sort of trace uh, the paper trail, so to speak. And also, you know that 
there have been several cases uh, where government and uh, senior politicians and government officials have parked their money in other places and these scams have also come out and it's covered in detail in our chapter one with examples. The war in Ukraine means that many people are finding it very hard to uh, get decent healthcare now, to get hold of medicines. Can you explain a little bit more about the position the INCB has here? The INCB is also committed to making available controlled substances and narcotic drugs and psychotropic substances. And we have been working a lot on availability in 2015, even in normal circumstances, the availability of medicines for pain relief and for other, uh, you know, disorders. Again, in 2000, as I think uh, 18, we brought out another annex. So we have been doing a lot of work, collecting a lot of data about the availability of these medicines uh, so that, you know, the restrictions, because they are controlled substances, should not affect the availability to people who need it. And of course, now, you know, in the COVID-19 also, we saw that due to the uh, disruption in the supply chain and um, also because of the so-called distance factors, etc. A lot of the medicines were not available. And one of them was midazolam, which was being used in emergency care for COVID-19 patients. And uh, they, of course, later on, the situation improved once it was pointed out and then it was being shipped. And INCB's role here is we facilitate the movement if anybody has any problem. And we have brought out procedures for simplifying the movement of such goods. As you know, for controlled substances, there has to be an import license, there has to be an export license. And similarly, customs authorities at borders will also check all these consignments. But for emergency situations, we have issued instructions. In fact, on 28th February, we had put out uh, an appeal to all governments to adapt these simplified methods where we say you do not have to insist on an export license or import license and you can ship your goods uh, with a flexible arrangement so that these medicines move smoothly to the place where it's and similarly this applies to ukraine also where the humanitarian crisis has really it's very concerning uh, we're deeply concerned about uh, the situation there and we've had after we have put out our uh, uh, story uh, and we've written written a circular letter to all governments also so that they all get particular attention to this aspect. The WHO has reached out to us and two, three uh, countries have also reached out on can you explain what, how to do it and what to do. So we are uh, available to guide any agency or any country who wants to supply goods and wants to know how to go about it.